You're listening to the Organize My Thoughts podcast, where we teach you how to get out of your head so you can execute the vision. I am your host, Kyla Jackson. Let's get started. Hello, family, and welcome to our 100th episode of the Organize My Thoughts podcast. I cannot believe that we have been consistently uploading episodes for over two years now. Thank you so much to each and every one of you who has listened and shared the podcast and left a review. It has been such a blessing. It is such a blessing because we're going to continue to record, but it's such a blessing to be able to be used by God in this way. And for all of the messages that you guys send on how the podcast has been helpful, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And I pray that this podcast continues to be a blessing to you and you share it with your friends and your family. And also, I would love if you could just take two minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can scroll right down to the bottom and leave a review on how the podcast has impacted you, anything that you've learned. I read every single review and it really is motivation for me to keep going and also it helps new people find the show. Now, on today's episode, I originally was going to do like a recap of what I learned about podcasting and following God, but This podcast is God-led, and he had another message in mind, so that's what we're going to talk about today. In today's episode, we're going to talk about faith, and specifically understanding whether something is reliant on your faith or just God's timing. And this is a topic that has been on my mind for a while because I think sometimes the most discouraging thing that you can hear as a Christian is for someone to tell you that you don't have enough faith. And then my response to that is always, well, how do I get more faith? And there are a couple ways we are familiar with. We know that, you know, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. And so you can build up your faith by reading the scriptures and seeing how God moved in the lives of others and also bringing up scripture and speaking it in your life in alignment with the promises that God has given you. And I think the place of frustration that I had brought to God was, okay, how do I know if it's a situation where I'm lacking faith um, or where I'm in a season that is beyond my control and it's just a matter of your timing. Like there's a lot of talk about manifesting your promise and all these other things. And the frustration becomes when, okay, how do you see the promises of God come to pass in your life when you are in a season where it just seems to be a result of God's timing that will bring those things to pass? So I think the question that sometimes I battle with is, what is my role in seeing the promises of God come to pass? And at what point does the spiritual disciplines that I put in place, like praying and fasting, play a role in the outcome when ultimately it's, you know, completely in God's hands? And I think from the outside perspective, it's easy to tell somebody, well, you just need to pray more, you need to fast more, you need to pray harder. But at what point do those things become manipulative? That's like some of the things that have been going through my mind. And and when I say manipulative, I mean, I feel like we've gotten to a point in culture where 
somehow it's become, you know, fast for this, fast for that, fast and this will happen. And if it doesn't happen for you in the timing of the fast, sometimes you feel like you're not doing something right or some people have something that you don't have. And so it becomes to a point where we're, we're actually getting into a habit of fasting and praying to force God's hand on something. And like I said, if you don't see those changes happen immediately, you feel like you're doing something wrong. And when you feel like you're doing something wrong, that could lead you down this trail of performing and trying to get things by your works. And so I wanted to bring that up to God because I felt like there was something that I wasn't understanding. And I also wanted to make sure that as I'm waiting on the Lord, that I'm doing the spiritual disciplines that he's given me with a pure heart and not with the motive to try to force his hand. And that's something that we can unconsciously be in that place because we're so focused on getting to that promise. But it's really important that we do everything with a pure heart and for the right intentions. So I know I'm not the only one because I've been seeing it a lot on social media and even some of the conversations that I've been having um, with other people where this thing is is coming up. And so if you're in that place and this is a question that maybe you secretly battled with, I want to let you know that there's no shame in those things. And these are the type of questions and concerns that you can bring to the Lord. Like when you don't understand something, it is okay to seek the Lord for yourself and bring those honest questions to him because it's not enough for us to just rely on the sermons about faith or to rely on how other people um, move in faith. It's really important for us to have an understanding for ourselves because ultimately it's our personal walk with God and only he knows the plans and the strategies. So it's really important that if you truly don't understand or you have some confusion, or maybe your heart is not at rest about certain things, bring it up before the Lord because he desires for you to have clarity. He doesn't want you feeling restless or like you're not doing enough. He wants you to be at peace with the season that you are in in your life. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the questions that the Lord answered for me. And I pray that it is eye opening to you and that if you're in that season, you can relate. But one of the first questions that I had for God was, what role does prayer have in me seeing the promises of my life come to pass? And at what point does prayer affect God's timing, if at all? And so as I was in my quiet time, I asked the Lord, you know, where should I go? And he told me in Acts chapter 12, and this is a story about when Peter was in prison and the church prayed earnestly for him. Now, I want to read the entire passage because you need to hear the context. And there's details in here that we can kind of miss over, especially if we've been familiar with the story. So in Acts chapter 12, in the New Living Translation, it says, James is killed and Peter is in prison. It says, about that time, King Herod began to persecute some of the believers in the church. He had Apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. 
the angel struck him on the side to quickly awaken him. Quick, get up, and the chains fell off of his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to Iron Gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street and the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Now, I have read this story several times, but this time that I read it, the Lord allowed some key things to stand out to me. And really, I focused on the activity of prayer during this time. And so the first thing to know is that during this time, King Herod was persecuting believers in the church. He was killing them. And it says that he had Apostle James, which is John's brothers, killed with a sword. Now, James is one of the Lord's disciples, so he would have probably thought to be one of the ones who were protected um, or had some type of special protection around them. So I'm sure his murder was kind of a shock to them, especially because they had been receiving a bunch of wins before this had even happened. They had just had Saul's conversion. They were winning battles and victories. So this was kind of a, a blow to the momentum that they were building. And what I thought was interesting is how the title starts off and says, James is killed but Peter is in prison. Now, it still says that the church decided to pray earnestly for Peter while he was in prison. So they had some level of faith knowing that their prayers could potentially change the course of what would happen to Peter. Now, what was most surprising about this is that although it says that they prayed earnestly for Peter, when the Lord actually sent his angel to free Peter and Peter showed up at their doorstep, they did not actually believe that the Lord was going to deliver him. At some point, they must have doubted or they must have kind of lost hope. And I honestly think it's because they felt like, okay, well, James was one of the the disciples who should have, quote unquote, been protected, and yet the Lord allowed him to die. And I'm sure people pray for James as well. And so I'm wondering if what happened to James started to affect their faith when it came to Peter. Did they somewhere in their hearts kind of just say, okay, well, it must be, you know, the Lord's will for him to die? Did the death of James affect how they prayed for Peter? That was something that was going through my mind because I was like, why else would you pray? How could you pray fervently for something, right? Earnestly with consistent prayers. And then yet when the answer to your prayer shows up, there is disbelief. They they literally said it must be his angel. There's no way that that could be Peter. Now, here's the kicker. 
God still answered their prayers, even in the midst that there was clearly doubt present. And I think sometimes we feel like our prayers are not answered because there is doubt present in our heart. But sometimes doubt is a result of something that happened previously in your life where your expectations were not met, where God did not show up in the way or the timing that you expected. And so subconsciously, what we do is we take the last disappointment and we carry it over into our present walk. And so we can see even from the example of the church earnestly praying for Peter that they had just experienced the loss of James, who was one of the disciples, and God decided that it was James' time to go, but yet it was not Peter's time to go. So this is one of those examples where it's like you can have faith enough faith to keep praying and to show up and still have some doubt present in your heart. And yet the Lord's will is still going to be done. And we can see how the the prayers of the saints, even in the places where they may have doubt, still cause God to move and allow for that movement to happen. So I believe what the Lord was trying to show me through this is that it's not the doubts that stop God from moving. It's what we do with the doubts. Even through their doubts, they still decided to pray earnestly. And we can see that even when it says that suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, it consistently goes back to the text and says that their saints were praying. It even says that one of the gates opened for Peter all by itself. That's not an automatic thing. That is a direct result of prayer. Even with the little faith that the church had at that time, God used it in a mighty way. And I believe that it was on purpose that when the little girl answered the door and she didn't immediately let Peter in, I believe that the Lord was testing their faith to see if they would believe the witness testimony that Peter was at the door, right? To believe that was a true example of testing their faith, saying like, because if they had opened the door and they had automatically saw, there would be no need for them to highlight the fact that she did not let Peter in. Instead, they she went back to tell them and they would have had to rely on her testimony. But instead, it clearly states in that text that they said she must have been out of her mind and it must have been his angel. So it shows, again, that that doubt was present, yet that doubt did not stop God from moving. And I just feel like this is so heavy on... Um, you know, my heart and also I believe God's heart because I wouldn't talk about something that I didn't feel led to, that some of us are feeling like things are happening in our lives because we doubted in times. But in reality, like it's our doubts that bring us closer to the Lord. It's our doubts that allow him to answer those questions in our heart and even allow us to be in situations that increase our faith, right? Like God wants us to have the faith to trust him even when we don't know what's going to happen. And sometimes we have to go through circumstances that increase our faith, right? That really show us that God can be trusted even when it seems like there's no way or a situation seems impossible. That situation definitely strengthened the church's faith because it looked like there was no escape for Peter. I mean, he was heavily guarded. You know, he had more guards than a typical inmate would. And yet the Lord still freed him. And he allowed the the prayers of the saints to come into partnership with what his will was. But I think that even if it wasn't the Lord's will for Peter to escape, that the prayers of the saints would not have been wasted, right? Sometimes we can feel like even though we don't have control over God's will, we feel like, you know, what's the point of praying if it's just God's timing? But prayer is a very important part of building our faith and also communicating with God. 
He's called us to be partners with him here on the earth and we partner with him through our words. And that's why I think that doubt used the wrong way can cause you to stop praying, right? Because that expectation that was not met or that disappointment that you, you know, encountered the last time you prayed, it can cause you to feel like, okay, well, what's the point about, what's the point of praying for this if, you know, this is going to happen? But the point is, is that we don't know God's will, but we do know through scripture that he has given us the ability to declare and decree things and to come into agreement with, you know, the things that he said will happen. He's given us authority out of our words and we need to, in order to even see some things come to pass, we have to pray. And I I definitely believe that's why the enemy wants us to use doubt as a reason to be silent and just kind of wait around passively for things to happen rather than taking our doubts to God and receiving instructions and strength to continue to pray. So I hope this has made sense. Really, I just wanted to share kind of what the Lord was, you know, teaching me about. It's not a question of do you have enough faith? It's the question isn't really about the size of your faith, but the degree that you're willing to trust that God will show up. And I think, again, like this is something that's so sensitive because no one wants to be told that they don't have enough faith. Um, In reality, you can trust that the Lord is always working to strengthen and perfect your faith. And so it doesn't mean like if you're struggling in your faith, if you're struggling to believe that God is going to come through, that he's just going to abandon you. Not at all. He's going to work inside of you through circumstances, through people, through whatever he needs to do to get you to consistently trust him. That's that's his job. He wants to build and perfect your faith. He's not going to leave you out here so that you miss the promises. And there are times where you just have to, no matter what, continue to pray. Don't allow doubt to cause you to close your mouth. That's the complete opposite. You want to allow those doubts to bring you closer to God and allow you to do a deep dive into his word and really speak those things out of your mouth. Now, of course, there are times where we, of course, have to make faith moves. We have to step out on faith and do practical things to show that we trust God. But if you really feel like you're at the point where you've done all that you can do and you're still not seeing the activity move, just keep praying. Don't allow that discouragement to get you to stop praying because your words are partnering with God, whether you can see them or not. There were so many times where the Israelites were crying out for the Lord to deliver them from the oppression and they did not see any of those prayers being answered. But all along, the Lord was raising up Moses to become a deliverer. And so they had no idea of the connection between the two, but the Lord was always moving. So don't ever feel like if you don't see any activity that that means that God is not working in your life. That is a complete lie. God does not sleep. He does not slumber. He's not laying around. God is an active God and you can trust that he hears your prayers and he's moving and that he will make sure that you get to the place that you need to be. You are never wasting your time by praying. So speaking of prayer, I just want to lift up anyone who's really struggling um, with anything that I've mentioned today. Um, Father, I just lift up your daughters, Father, your sons who may be listening, God, and I just pray that you would meet them in the place where they feel inadequate in their faith, or the places that they struggle to hold on. Father, some of them have been holding on for so long to your promises that it feels like useless. It feels like it would be easier to just let go or to become numb, God. But I thank you, Lord God, that when you make a promise, Father, you keep it. You are a covenant-keeping God, and you are working 
around the clock to make sure these promises come to pass, Lord. I thank you that you're working in us, through us, and around us, Lord, that you are moving mountains, Father. You are making ways in the wilderness for us, Lord, to get to the promises that you have for us, God. So I pray encouragement for those who have been feeling defeated, Lord. I pray for strength to their hope, Father. I pray that you would remind them of the things that you have done for them in the past and the times that you rescued them, Father, and just made things that seem impossible possible, Lord. I pray right now, God, that you would reveal to them the doubts that have been in their hearts, God, and help them to overcome them, Father. Reveal to them the root of where those things came from, God, and guide them in your word through your truth so that they can come out trusting you more and more, Father. I pray for those who have been feeling numb and who have stopped praying, God, or stopped studying your word, God, that you would put words back in their mouths, God, that they would begin to speak your promises over their life with boldness and clarity and confidence, knowing that you hear them and that you are still moving, God. If there's something that they need to do, Father, to step out on faith, God, I pray that you would guide them, Lord, because I know that it is your desire to see all of us walk in the promises that you have for us, Lord. So I just pray your comfort. I pray your strength, Lord, and I pray your focus in this season, God, that we would not focus on our emotions, but we will focus on you and we will see these promises come to pass, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, family. So this wraps up our 100th episode of the Organize My Thoughts podcast. Thank you again for always staying tuned and listening in and sharing the podcast with your friends. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to me on YouTube at Kyla Jackson, K-Y-L-I-A Jackson, as I'm starting a new journey there. Um, And I will talk to you guys on the next episode.